podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coach Unplugged. Super excited. Um, Before we jump in, we'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market, bar none. They are sturdy. They will not break. <laughs> they don't pop break down. Uh, mention Coach Unplugged. They'll give you $350 off. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It's the one-stop shop for basketball coaches. Right now, we've got a quarterly membership going on, which I think is awesome. I think it rocks. Um, we've got everything you need um, inside of our roadmap. You know, the uh, Teach Hoops did a roadmap because you're always in one of four seasons, right? You're either in preseason, you're either in postseason, um, you're either in the season or you're in the off season. One of those four seasons you're always in. And we set up a roadmap and a checklist to make it easier for you. So come over, join us at teachhoops.com. Let's head off to the podcast. The the wing who was just trapping the ball, he, he has to turn sideways. And as he's running back to the block, he's looking at the ball so he knows the next rotation and his job is to get his rear end to the baseline one foot inside the paint one foot outside the paint and it's up to him how low he goes to the block he can go right above the block he can go the first hash mark the second hash mark i don't care about that i leave that up to him but the other wing follows our rule and our rule is simple your first four steps so on the backside wing the ball is now being reversed to the top guard on my side. The chaser is running over. The center is running over. He's getting his toes again on the arc. And when center runs over, he runs along the outside of the three-point arc and then jumps into his position again with his toes on the uh, three-point arc between the ball and the basket. My point guard, there's not been a pass to the corner. He just goes block to block. He never goes and cheats to the next anticipates he anticipates the next pass but he doesn't go out there until the ball's in the air but this is the key of the way i run the one three one our backside wing makes a banana cut if you go straight line from the block out front then that top guard's going to catch it and he's going to make a a direct line drive pass to the shooter in the corner and i don't care how good your point guard is he's never going to get there right so i changed this i don't know 15 years ago my wing now his first four or five steps is out towards the sideline, and then he comes straight up. So he's making like a banana cut. Um, Doesn't that cause them to drive to the middle then? So then, you're, then your center no, has to stop. It doesn't because your center, his, other than his first job is getting his toes on the arc, his next job is if that kid tries to split and he tries to head towards the middle of the court, my, my center is uh, jumping. He's attacking him. And then the wing and the chaser will adjust and they'll attack them also. And we'll get three guys back on the ball. And what um, happens? Yeah, what happens? What happens if there's someone posting up in the middle of the court? Is there is he, like where? Uh, at the foul line area? Yeah. So so he has to help on that banana cut. So the center comes out and helps. But then well, who does the chaser drop down and take that then? No. So uh, let's say the ball's on the right side, and I have a, our first initial uh, trap is with the uh, chaser and the wing on that side. Yep. The other three guys, here's their positions. 
The point guard's on the ball side, above the ball side block. The center is between the ball and the basket. And I have my point guards tell my center, hey, uh, you know, Sam, you got, a, you, got, you got a high post guy. He's two steps to your left. So now instead of having that perfect straight line between the ball and the basket, my center will sort of make it hard for that top guard to ever throw a pass into the high post, okay? Now, yep. um, we do things that the ball does go to the high post. We, you know, go to some uh, uh, defense modes, but let's not go there yet. So if so, the backside wing is above the block, one foot in the paint, one foot outside the paint. Now, the ball's going to be reversed 75 times in a game. It's going to go from top guard to top guard. So you're, you're having a five-man rotation. So it, when the ball's in the air, the chaser is literally turning around and he is as soon as the uh, top guard who he is initially trapping right now as soon as the ball leaves his fingertips he's sprinting to the ball so he's going to find where the other top guard is the center is running around the three-point arc and building um, the fourth so to say and he is with his toes on the three-point arc hands outstretched keeping the ball out of the middle my backside wing is running out to the sideline, banana cut, and now he's sprinting up, playing the outside shoulder so that kid can't throw a direct pass to the corner. And then the point guard is going to the ball side block. All right? So that's how our defense is moving. Now, okay. the top guard who just caught the ball, he catches it, and now he's going with his right hand towards the middle of the floor. My center is right in front of him. Yep. And he's going to attack the ball. The wing who's making this banana cut sees that kid is, um, you know, driving towards the middle. He, he's going he's gonna to come in and help out. But you got the chaser also is going to adjust and attack that kid's right hand and, and really attack it. So we're going to pressure the ball. We're not going to let that kid just get in the paint and make any kind of a play. And um, what we do, our, our point guard, and that's – so say they had a kid – at the uh, elbow, an offensive player at the elbow. And everyone's moving on that situation, all right? My point guard, he wouldn't come right behind the kid at the elbow, but he'd be close enough where he can, you know, a long run out to the corner if he had to, but he'd be close enough so that offensive guard who's dribbling with his right hand doesn't feel comfortable throwing that pass. And that's the, you know, best way to, uh, explain it and every once in a while you're going to get burned but the risk is much 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 more beneficial to us it's the rewards that we get out of the risk are beneficial to us because we get so many deflections and we've seen it all we've seen how kids attack it and the kids are just used to every scenario and we make adjustments right so how do you practice plan for this but that's a that's a great question. So, uh, when I was at Faithful Manlius, we had 425 kids per class. We were in what's called New York State Double uh, A big enrollment. At Hamilton, currently right now, we have about 35 to 40 kids per class. Um, so we're in the smallest classification D. So my JV and varsity, uh, we practice together not every day, but we practice together a lot. And actually, I've grown to like it. Because, um, you know, my JV coach is a great guy, but, you know, 
I can, we do skill work together so I can watch those JV kids coming up. We're going to be eventually on my varsity. So it's a good scenario. If we spend 20 minutes a day on our one through one, um, that's about all we spend on it. And uh, we play it. We don't, I mean, there's, I do drills. There's right. four or five drills that, you know, I've learned over the years that we do, but basically playing it. And here's the re- reason why we play it because our kids are better than sometimes other teams because our kids find ways to cheat on offense that gives our defense a hard time. Yes. yes. And that's good. Yes. And so if that happens, then I'll stop press. I go, Hey, that is a, that's great. And then we'll, I'll teach, you know, how do we actually, how do we play that? And I'll ask the kids and they'll say, Hey, this, I think we should do it. I say, yeah, you're right. Or I'll say, no, this is how I think we should do it. And so there's great teaching and learning experiences with no, that. No, I think there is. I mean, kids, kids, they'll adjust. They'll adjust and that. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll find weaknesses. What's the hardest thing to teach in the one, three, one, the hardest thing to teach in the one, three, one is, um, playing it relentlessly instead of playing it, um, conservatively. And, um, so I've got a whole mess of tools in the toolkit. Like one thing, if I, all I call our defense is 13. That's it. 13 means we're playing it as aggressively as you can. If I add the word shrink, S-H-R-I-N-K, what we do in our one through one we still play it aggressively, but we back it off about six feet. So we're um, all the, the chaser, the two wings, and the center are about, you know, maybe a step outside the three-point arc, and we shrink the defense down, and we make them hit contested uh, shots. Uh, we, we don't give them any kind of openings. You know, we don't, you know, get back on defense uh, or, or rotate back on defense with one of our wings and they make an easy pass to get a layup. That's going to happen. Um, but like I said, the rewards are so much better than, you know, being worried about it. So um, I've got that in the toolbox. We can shrink our defense at the end of the game. We're up six or seven points and we don't give them easy shots. But instead of extending our zone way, way out and possibly getting beat, we shrink it. The other thing we can do is I can do it just on uh, any call during a timeout. All right, guys, we're going to three defense. I said, uh, you know, Jake, you and uh, Tom, you're guarding uh, 22. And Tom, you got 24. Um, They're the top two guards. So what we do is as we show the one three one as the ball is crossing half court, my chaser goes. Uh, to the top of the key, my center goes to the block, my point guard goes the other block, and most guys are playing a three-man triangle zone. And I'll tell you how we work on that. And then Tom and Jake are playing their two top guards, their right uh, side guard and their left slot guard, and they're playing the man-to-man until I call it off. So we can go 10 possessions in a row, and we're in a triangle in two. And you would not believe, um, oh, my God, it just – Who's going to run the ball? Who's going to, you know, be the point? Because we're trying to take those two kids away for, you know, possessions and forcing them into, you know, uh, you know how kids go with that. They get so pissed off that, and then they try forcing shots or they draw charges or whatever the case may be. So we can go triangle in two. And who are the, who are the, who are, who are, who's, who's chasing the two on the. So so here's what we do make it simple. We go, we can do it a couple different ways. But let's say their two um, best offensive players are their two guards. So they're going to be 
you know, come, one's going to be coming with the ball over half court. The other kid's going to be trailing. So he has a reversal pass. Right. So we show our one through one. And as the ball's approaching half court, the wing on the ball side sprints up and plays a man to man the rest of the possession. The wing on the backside sprints up and denies the reversal pass of that kid. And he plays him man to man the rest of the possession. My chaser sprints and drops to the top of the key. My center sprints and guards the uh, one of the blocks, and my point guard goes over and guards the other block, and those three guys are in a triangle. So they're playing triangle in, uh, triangle in two. And here's our rules. I will identify always to the kids, all right, listen, number uh, 13 is their third best shooter. You know, don't give him wide open shots, but don't go completely out and guard him. And then how we work on triangle in two is I'll have a three-on-three tournament during practice, and I'll say to the defense, you guys are playing a three-man triangle. And whatever the offense does, just adjust your triangle. So it might be a regular triangle where, you know, you have a kid at the between the foul line and the top of the key and two kids on the blocks, or it might be an inverted triangle where one of the kids on the blocks comes up, and now you have a two-guard front, and then you have a kid, you know, under the basket in an inverted triangle. And I make them adjust depending what the offensive players do. And we've gotten really, really good at it. I bet it just, I bet they don't prepare for it either because they're spending all their time preparing for your one, three, one. Yeah, they don't. And, 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 and that's the honest truth. You know, like I prepare for my opponent, you know, whatever they do, but they're preparing. How do we, you know, for like days working on the one, three, one defense and they don't run it the same way we do. And so right. the other way you can do a triangle is you can do it on the right side or a left side. So let's say uh, the right side guard is our best player. And then the kid in the right corner is their second best player. So now all I call is three rip rip for right Liz for left three rip is when uh, the ball crosses half court, the wing on that side sprints out and guards the guard with the ball, man to man. And then the point guard rotates out and guards the kid in the right corner, man to man. And then the, again, the center drops down to the uh, block. The backside wings are already on the other block. And then my chaser goes to the top of the key, uh, you know, nail hole in that area right there. And we're in a triangle that way. I love that. So I love that. It, it really is. It's, it's, it's really good stuff. And um, that way I don't, you know, have to, I mean, I, you know, we could, we could play a three, two zone if we wanted to and stuff like that. That's not hard to teach. Right. But do you, uh, do, like you do you play any man to man? You know, I played probably five or six years of my coaching career playing man to man, and we've always been aggressive in it. And um, that's when I've had, every coach has, you have to adjust. Uh, you know, sometimes your personnel just can't do what you want them to do. So you have to adjust and give them a chance to be successful another way. And so, yeah, I played man-to-man, and I've had some good teams uh, that have played man-to-man. And uh, most, of, most of my kids are three-sport athletes. Uh, they play either football or soccer, basketball and baseball. Um, when I've had predominantly football kids as basketball players, you know, we'll, we're a little more physical, so we've, we've played man-to-man a little bit more. I think I think that's a sign of a great coach that's willing to <laughs> willing to adjust to to, to what they're given. Um, do you um, do you find any what what's it what's a downfall of the one three one? 
What's a negative? Of um, the downfall of the one three one is if you've got an opposing point guard that's just a great player and he's never worried about um, getting trapped and he can get into the paint, uh, that can that can kill you. And so we really uh, on that situation, um, what I would do would be to give everybody else help. So I would go a diamond in one. I'd have our best defensive player um, play the point guard one-on-one. I wouldn't even care about the other kids. And I'd play, uh, you know, uh, a chaser. He'd be at the top of the key. One wing would be like foul line extended inside the arc. The other wing would be foul line extended inside the arc. And then the center would be, uh, you know, in the middle of the paint. And um, I, I follow very simple diamond rules there. Basically I want my center to stay in the, he goes block to the nail, to the block, to the nail, to the block. He just roams the middle of the um, defense. And then I rotate the other three diamond guys. And basically what I do is I tell our uh, top guy in the diamond, usually our chaser. I said, listen, if that point guard attacks North to South, forget any other rules you got, go double them. And we'll double the kid the entire game. And that, that helps. Um, and then, you know, so the, so the know, rules are, so the rules are kind of similar, not really though, for the one, three, one in the diamond, because you're moving people to different spots. Yeah. You're moving kids to different spots. Well, what you're doing is you're, you're, um, dictating that, yeah, we're playing against a great point guard and he's going to hurt us sometimes, but instead of him scoring 15 points and has 10 assists and his teammates score, you know, 20 easy points on layups we're going to put uh, our best defender on him and then we're going to double him wherever he is on the court with either the chaser or the wings and we're going to try to hold him to 12 points and maybe getting you know seven assists for another 14 points so in essence what we've done we've held him about 10 points under what he would have had if we were playing him either man to man or if he was killing us in our one through one and i think that you have to make an adjustment. I'm not going to let a kid just kill us. And so, um, and then sometimes there's a bottom line and you know, this as a coach, sometimes the bottom line is their team might be better than our team. And we're trying to still find a way to win, but sometimes, you know, the other kids are players. Too, yeah, and, and, the, and the thing is what I, what I tell young coaches too, is I want to give my guys an opportunity to win. We might not win, Absolutely. but this, this Absolutely. team is better than me. I got to do something. So we got a shot at this thing, you know? Absolutely. Um, and that's what you want to do. You want to get, you want, you want to, we all have those on our schedule. I just want to give my guys the opportunity to win the game at the end. And, um, Absolutely. You know, yeah, I think that's one of the big things. Um, all right. So coach, I'm going to do my, um, my rapid fire here. Um, what's your favorite brand of basketball, the ball you play with the actual Ball, round ball. What, what's your favorite type of ball? The rock. Okay. Why? Because uh, it has wide seams and it's sticky and the kids love shooting with it. Okay. One word to describe your ideal player. One word? One. Yep. How about two words? Great person. Okay. Great person. Um, uh, favorite pregame or postgame meal? I don't eat before. I'll have... Uh, I'll have a Gatorade. Okay. What about post-game? Post-game, 
Coors Light. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's valid. Most, I, I'd say by probably seventy percent of coaches don't eat before. If you go to one sporting event in the world, what would it be and why? New York Mets baseball because I love the Mets. I've been a Mets fan since nineteen sixty-two. You're talking to a Cubs fan, so 69 still bothers us. Um, what uh, what does your game day look like? Like a typical day of a game? Well, what, the cool thing now is because I'm retired. You know, I mean, I had a routine. I teach six classes a day and see the kids, and you know, then I'd maybe go home for a minute, or I might even stay at school and I'd watch the JV game. And, you know, get ready for the varsity. Now my game day is I'll stay at my house until, like, say, the JV game starts at 530. I'll get down to the gym at 430, um, hang out with the JV kids, tease them, hang out with my JV coach, tease them, welcome the referees, uh, help my athletic director, and then get ready for my game. Much more relaxing, I'm guessing. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> What's one thing you do to relax? I have been a triathlete um, for most of my life, uh, for about 30, 35 years, and I, I still do races. Um, so, like, this afternoon when we're done talking, I'm going out on my uh, triathlon bike, and I'm going to get a nice ride in. Um, so, I because I taught physical education, I still, I mean, fitness is lifelong for me. And so... Uh, you know, I do about 3,000 miles a year on my bike, and so I'm going to get out and ride this afternoon. That's gorgeous out there, too. Um, what's one coaching technique you consider important? Relationships. Okay. Do you have I, any? Okay, go ahead. No, I just, I mean, that's one of the, um, when I started coaching, you know, my mentors to me when I was a young guy, uh, they just, they were just so good to me and building relationships with them. I just saw how important it was to build relationships. So when I say relationships, I mean with coaches and players, players with coaches, coaches with coaches and players and players. And I harp on that all the time. And I do things, uh, about it. Um, every Saturday, uh, is players day. I've done that for my whole career. Saturdays, the coaches don't coach Saturdays. The kids come in. I let them do the old school first five guys and make a foul shot. They're the first team, second five guys, you know, like that. And then I let them play for an hour and a half. And then the last half hour, I bring them breakfast, the breakfast of champions, donuts, cookies, uh, you know, muffins, chocolate milk, white milk. And then we sit in a circle and we just talk. And sometimes we talk about basketball, but most of the time we just shoot the crap, yeah. you know, just have fun with the kids. And so, I think that's how to, you know, talk to talk is building relationships. And then I had the kids come up to my house. I own, uh, got a big property, like 35 acres and I have a bonfire pit and the kids, uh, come up a lot during the summer and we have pizza and wings and just sit around the bonfire and just talk and just have fun. Love that. Love that. Do you have any superstitions? Um, one, I have to, when we come on the bus, I have to sit on the right top, the first chair on the right. I always have. And I remember my JV coach, and he sits on the inside, I sit on the outside. But I remember one time the cheerleading coach was in that seat, 
And my JV coach walked up to her and said, hey, you're going to have to move back to the next seat. And she goes, no, I'm, I'm sitting here. She goes, no, you're moving back to the next seat. And finally, she got up and moved back. And so that's the only superstition. I have to sit in that front seat on the right-hand side. <laughs> that's interesting. I have to be the last one on the bus. Yeah. Um, that, I yeah. mean, usually I'm the last one on the bus, too, because yeah. one of the kids, you know, forgot his sneakers. Yeah, I'm always the last one on the bus because that's kind of the, all right, we're ready to go now. And I'll, I'll, if I'll get off and get back on, I've done, I've done that. Um, one, uh, describe your perfect player in five or less words. Relentless personality, effort, unselfish teammate. Okay. Uh, best player you have seen in person. Well, I was fortunate. I don't know if you know this name, but uh, this was back in 1993 and then 1994. Uh, we had two Colgate professors, and they enrolled a 6'10", 270-pound player into Hamilton Central School. And my superintendent called me and said, Tom, uh, you're not going to believe this. We just had a 6'10", 270-pound kid come into school. And within an hour after I met the kid, I started getting calls from North Carolina, Duke, Syracuse, every uh, school in the country. His name was uh, Donald Foyle. I do remember. And Donald Foyle uh, played. His last three schools were, before he uh, made a decision, were Colgate, uh, Syracuse, and Duke. And he chose Colgate. Um, he was an amazing human being, and he put our basketball program on the map. Um, but the best thing about him was he was um, he was just a he was a great human being. He had a uh, a great NBA career. He made a lot of money, and now he's writing children's books. He's a, a spokesperson for the NBA with uh, rookies. Um, he's a just a quality human being. Is he still? Is his parents still teaching at Colgate? They're retired. I retired. Okay. I do remember that. I do remember that name. They Colgate was put on the map at that point for, for a Patriot league. Yeah. Team. Yeah. It, yeah. Jack Bruin was the coach uh, who passed away. Jack was great. But, yeah. um, Adonel, we, we had to play two consecutive years uh, at Colgate for our home games because they couldn't fit everybody into the high school gym. So it was uh, a great experience for uh, our basketball primer. But after we won the state championship, Adonel's senior year, um, and then we won again in 2000, and then we lost by one point in the state championship game in 2001. But Donald put our school on the map because then our soccer team won a couple state championships, and our softball team went to state championships. And so he really was instrumental in ki giving kids visions that, you know what, it's more than just Central New York. Uh, you can go throughout the state. And that yeah. was really cool. I think that's very cool. Um, uh, best basketball player of all time? Michael Jordan. I don't know how you are. There's a there's a meme going around with um with uh, LeBron and he's got a Jordan logo on his jersey and it's kind of like funny. It's like you're wearing that guy's. You know what's interesting about Jordan is guy kids in my gym now still talk about him. That would have been like you and I talking about Bob Cousy when we were you know in yeah, high I school. Know. <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, I mean, in, in my opinion, um, you know, a lot. Of, so I, I bet you I've spoken on behalf of uh, 10 of my colleagues over the last 10 years, about one a year, sometimes even two a year. I've had to go defend a colleague at a school board meeting because a parent got mad at the coach and they're trying to get him fired or whatever the case may be. And a lot of people, I, I don't see, just like you said, you've coached 32 years. 
I don't see, honestly, I don't see coaches coaching more, more than 15 or 20 years now. I just don't oh. see longevity. <laughs> no. um, it's just, there's too much credit. But I will say this. Kids are still kids. If you give them direction, now they have more, you know, voices that they hear, um, AAU coach, their shooting coach, their ball handling coach, their lifting coach. They have too many voices. But that being said, if you're fair with kids, and you develop a relationship with them and they trust you and you trust them. Kids are still kids. They'll do exactly what you want them to do. And they're loyal, they're dedicated, they're committed. You just have to try different approaches in today's society. Um, what's your most used basketball resource? Uh, championship productions. Okay. Uh, teach one, if you could only teach one skill, what would it be? Uh, that's a hard one. Uh, I'll give you two even though that you will only ask one okay. toughness shooting. Okay. Shot clock. Yes or no. We have a, uh, we have a 35 second shot clock in uh, New York. Yep. But do you like it? Yes or no? Oh yes. Okay. Uh, if you could change one thing about the game, what would you change? I think it's, I think it's a hard game to referee now. Um, that most high schools should uh, probably have a three-man crew. Oh yeah, we you don't have a three-man crew. Uh, some do and some don't. It depends on uh, the budgets. Wow, budgets yeah, we we a, always have a three-man crew. It's nice because there's always someone in front of you to talk to. Like it take it yeah, takes absolutely. care of a lot of problems. Yeah, so yeah. And you know the the kids with all their you know from some of the bad habits they get out of AAU. Yeah. With, uh, and one moves and <laughs> carrying the ball and, you know, all those sort of things. You need that uh, third set of eyes to see. I'd, I'd get rid of the jump. Ball. I'd get rid of the jump ball. That's my, that's my move. It's the dumbest thing ever. There's one jump ball. They can't, the officials are horrible at throwing it. The visiting team should just get the ball to start the game. Unless, unless yeah, everything's I, a jump ball. Yeah. Now, the the only argument I'd make against you is, when we win the jump ball, I bet you we've scored 80% of the time that we win the tap because I have a, I have, have a play that we, we run. I ran it all summer league. We scored probably eight times on it uh, out of jump ball situations during the course of the season that we play it, you know, 20-plus game season. We'll score 10, 12 times on it. So that would be my only argument. No, because I like <laughs> when we win the tap. We have a nice jump ball. I know. Uh, um, do you like the charge circle? Yes or no? And yet for the NBA and, and college, because we don't have it with high school. Right. But do, would you want um, it in high school? Would you want it in high school? No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. either. Because they can't, they, they got enough stuff to worry about. Um, best exactly. game, best game you've seen in person. I coached it. Uh, we won a state championship in 2000 and triple overtime, 91 to 86. And everything that you could think that happened in that game uh, happened in that game. I mean, even though I'm coaching 40 years next year, my memory is still as. I'm telling you, I want I want a triple I want a triple overtime in 2011. I bet mine beats you in the sense that we had a Chris Weber timeout thing in ours. Kid called the timeout oh, didn't did. have it. Yeah, with about four, four seconds in the second overtime to put it into the third. My point wow. guard went in, hit the free throws. Then it went to the third, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, ours was really cool, 91-86. And um, three times in that game, 
And once in regulation, once in the first overtime, and once in the second overtime, our best player got fouled, and he had to go to the foul line and make two foul shots uh, to tie the game back up again, and he did it three times in a row. He's we did that. We, I'll, send you, I'll send you – it sounds very similar to ours. We had – we had like – I was down to my ninth man, I think, was on the floor by the third overtime. But we had – my point guard went and hit some – like I think he hit some big free throws. Similar, it sounds very similar. Um, yeah, yeah, it sounds very similar. Uh, one word to describe your coaching style: personable. Okay, uh, if you could recommend one book, what would you recommend? Uh, Toughness by Jay Billis. Oh, I love that book. Okay, the last question I ask every interview that I've done for six years is: if you could give your younger self some advice, what would it be? Oh, that's a, that's really that's a great question. If, if, if I knew back then some things I've learned over the last 10, 15 years, I probably would have won another 30 games. Um, being prepared, uh, being a little bit, and we're all, that's how you grow too. So I guess the argument would be, you know what, to get to the point you're at now, you have to go through uh, some failures also and uh, learn. But um, trying to be a little bit more knowledgeable, I guess, would be. But you, you, how do you gain knowledge through experience? And you do experience by making mistakes too. The problem is yeah, you got to be able to make you got to be able to make mistakes and not get yourself fired. That's that's the key, you know. <laughs> exactly. It is. All right. Thank you, Coach. I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, you know, thank you so much. Oh, hey, I appreciate it. That was awesome. And anytime, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of things in basketball that you can talk about. So anytime. And I appreciate I uh, you uh, getting in touch with me. Thank you so I thank much. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, like, jump up and down, like I say. Um, tell your friends. That would be a good thing. Yeah, sell it. share this on social media. And then also go over and check out teachweeps.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great day. Social Podcast Network.